0: So, Jason why is it you use the word trapped in why do you say you feel trapped in a man's body in a
1: brown paper peg but then...
0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Shirley You Can't Be Serious podcast. We are back for part two of Raising Arizona versus the big Lebowski, the dude, El Duderino. If you're not into the whole brevity thing, we are here to talk about the production of the movies.
1: We're talking about the tidbits. We're talking about funniest parts. And then ultimately, final judgment between these two classics. Yeah. Yeah. I
0: mean, they're 11 years apart. You know, one is basically their kind of big masterpiece first funny movie, and the next one is their big masterpiece funny movie, 11 years later, after some very sketchy stuff in between. And then, of course, then they start, you know, they're on the roll. They go off with, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Right. And No Country for Old Men and all these other fantastic Oscar-winning movies. But we're not here to talk about those today. We're here to talk about these two Coen Brothers movies. But I mentioned last time that there's kind of this similarity that these movies have. I mean, you watch a Coen Brothers movie and you go, okay, this is a Coen Brothers movie. Like, it's distinct. It's not like other movies. Movies. people aren't doing this i mean elmore leonard kind of writes that witty type of dialogue but it's not the coen brothers style at all it's a whole big masterpiece of stuff and i was talking to ai yesterday
1: ai like AI, yeah. chat yes like the, or... yes
0: that is exactly i was talking to chat bt good old chad gpt yeah. and i kept trying to say okay just write this in the style of the coen brothers and it was like I can't do that. I'm like, well, just to analyze this script. Yes. And they'll tell me about that script. I'm like, okay, so just write it like that. I can't do that. It's you too hard. You have broken hard. the AI. I have. Like, I literally, I was like, can you just analyze all the, all the scripts? And it's the, the response was this. Yes, but that would take a lot of time and trouble. I'm not kidding. That's what the AI said to me. I'm like, you're AI. Like, you can read everything yeah. in a millisecond. And still, no. Really? It is. They are so good at what they do. They cannot be pinned down. <laughs> But whenever I first started watching these movies again, I noted to you there is something unique that they do. Not, and there are other people that do this, but I, to, just to hone in on one thing, I told you it seems like every time in these movies, the characters basically end up right where they start off.
1: Yeah, that is interesting.
0: Like, especially in these two movies, right? I mean, there's really no huge difference from where High starts off to where he ends up. There's no huge difference from where the dude starts off to where he ends up. And it made me think of the Hudsucker proxy, right? He holds up this picture of a circle, and he says, you know, for kids. And it's this thing that comes up like they have, like you've got the circle coin and No Country for Old Men. You've got the ball bowling balls in the yeah, in yeah. the big Lebowski. And there's not a circle thing in
1: Raising Arizona, but he's a recidivist, which is, I mean, that's what the circle is, right? He keeps... A repeat offender. Interesting. The circle analogy. I like it. Yeah.
0: And to, I don't know if this is related or not, but the company that produced their first two movies, maybe three movies, was Circle Films.
1: Nice. That's good. That's
0: so, good. So, and then the other thing that's in the Raising Arizona that I saw that seems to keep like working its way around is the Dr. Spock baby book, which is obviously not a circle, but it's got a circle on it and it seems to rotate through all the characters along with Nathan Jr.
1: and gets beat up a whole bunch along the way.
0: <laughs> not less rounds, funny.
1: <laughs> <laughs> nice. I like it. I like that's a good analogy. There. So, there's
0: my there's my Analogy for you. There's my thing you see over and over in the Cohen Brothers movies. But beyond that, I'm not AI smart and I cannot end it down. It's just incredible what they do. But here's one other thing. Okay. We're talking about two comedies here. They're both very well lit, very bright, vibrant colors. You see all of the colors. I mean, like I said, it was like a cartoon, like Looney Tunes for Raising Arizona. You look at the bowling alley. I mean, there's colors all over the place, the pinks and the neons, yeah. and yeah. all of these things. If you look at their more serious movies, if you look at No Country for Old Men or you look at Fargo, color is drawn out of the movie. Yeah. That's, Same for Miller's Crossing. You know, it's it is it's neat how color means funnier with the Coen brothers.
1: You know, the guy that they based some of the ideas from Big Lebowski on, X-Line. Uh-huh. X-Line. Yeah. He was a softball player. Okay. Not a bowler. Not a bowler. And so <laughs> uh, me being a softball player.
0: Obviously, you're not a golfer.
1: <laughs> i i would have liked to have seen the softball aspect of it i know the bowling is kind of where the movie is set and stuff but yeah. uh, back when we played you know beer league softball we took it very seriously so i could see when he yells at the guy for stepping over the line and smoky you're about to enter a world of pain yep. we took our softball very seriously back in the day so yeah well you gotta have some respect for the am rules. am i the only one around here who cares about the <laughs> rules
0: <laughs> so, other similarities: inept criminals. You get inept criminals anytime there's comedy with the Coen Brothers. You're going to have some inept criminals. You got High, who just he can't he, he, he picked the wrong profession, yes, right? Yes, you've got the nihilists in the Big Lebowski. Yes, you've got the three escaped convicts in. Oh brother, where art thou? It's another sort sort of standard thing that they do. But
1: you know, know, our buddy Duff Dave yeah. uh, reached out and said that "Oh brother, where art thou" is his favorite of the Cohen brother movies. Man, I haven't seen that in forever. I oh, it's
0: know. so good, and the album and the music is so good. I mean, I think I it, remember
1: the music it, being real prominent. It, oh
0: yeah, I mean, I think it may have won a Grammy, maybe an Album of the Year or something. I mean, it was it was really really big, but. On that note, we've got the same composer in both of these movies. His name is Carter Burwell. Now, you just finished editing our first episode on this, and so you got to get familiar with some of his music. What do you think? What do you think of these styles between Big Lebowski and Raising Arizona?
1: Well, Raising Arizona is the one that stands out in my mind the most just because it's such hillbilly music. You know, it's yodeling and banjos and just hillbilly stuff. But it's very distinct, right? When you hear it, You're like, man, that's Raising Arizona. Now, Big Lebowski tends to use some more folk rock and some sort of old-style rock and roll. I will tell you this, though, D. I am a huge Eagles fan. (laughs) I love the freaking Eagles, man. (laughs) So, that scene in the back of the car when he's like, Man, I've had a bad day and I freaking hate the Eagles. Yeah. Get out of my camp. That hurt me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, you've been talking about the needle drop music that they use, you've been talking about the songs that they choose. And for that one, they brought in a guy called T-Bone Burnett, and he's the one that would go through and pick all those perfect songs. Pick out the Bob Dylan song for the intro, pick out the Gypsy Kings for Jesus' introduction, yes. pick out Kenny Rogers and first edition for the dream sequence. Yes, yes. By the way, did we talk about the fact, you kind of, you hit me up about this, uh, about the dream sequence, and I said, well, this is a throwback to that Chandler thing. You know, if you look at the old black-and-white private detective movies that they had back in the 40s and the 50s, a lot of times those guys would be either addicted to drugs or alcoholics or getting knocked out like The Big Lebowski did, and they would go into these kind of weird dream sequences, and that's what the Coen brothers decided to do with this one. You get two different dream sequences with this. My favorite part is that this is supposed to be this Jackie Treehorn porno movie, right. but they stage it like a Busby Berkeley musical. It's, yeah. it's hysterical. I mean, I just, how do you, how does the mind put these random crazy things <laughs> together and make it so entertaining?
1: When he's lying on his back and like drifting down the bowling lane and he's looking up the women's skirts <laughs> and he's like smirking and smiling and laughing, uh, that cracked me up. Yeah. And actually, if, if you go back to the beginning of the dream sequence, the bowling ball and the bowling pins make some very phallic looking uh, yeah. movements. Exactly. And that that cracked me up. Yeah. I didn't notice that the first time.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so that's kind of another thing that you'll see a lot of times in their movies, and definitely in these two movies, is dream sequences, right? Because High has the dream where he... I mean, it seems like he creates...
1: That's like a vision. yeah, Yeah.
0: He creates the horseman of the apocalypse or whatever he is in his dream, and it's his... It's like his dual character, right? This is the guy that is his evil side that wants to go do those bad things and be that bad guy. The th- thing he struggles with, which is why he ends up going and knocking over a convenience store while he's got you son of a bitch and Nathan Jr. <laughs> in the car. Uh. I mean, one of the best chase sequences of all movies of all time. Dogs, guys. It's so ki-
1: freaking funny.
0: Pimple-faced kids with guns, women Giant, like, in curlers running down the, the street or down the aisles with their grocery carts. I mean, dude.
1: Let's talk about that scene for a second okay. because that's one of my all-time funniest scenes yep. from Raisin, Arizona. So number yep. one, he pulls over and spontaneously decides he's going to knock over this gas station, Yep. which, by the way, I, I, I told you the other day, I vacationed in Phoenix, Arizona over Christmas. Yep. But we hadn't really gotten into this very much. Uh-huh. And I was very, very close to where all this was filmed. And I'm kicking myself that I didn't look down the road a little bit more. But when he spontaneously decides to knock over that gas station, uh huh, he puts pantyhose on his head, goes inside <laughs> while Holly Hunter is reading to, her, to Nathan Jr. in the car. Yep. And she looks up and notices the pantyhose. Yeah. And, of course, the the kid behind the the counter has already pushed the alert button for the cops. And he says that great line, I'll be taking these huggies and whatever cash you got. And then he gets in the car with that guy. And the guy's like, son, you got a penny on your head. And
0: that guy's screaming over and over again.
1: (laughs) Oh, wow.
0: So Michael Lerner. Is a professor down in Berkeley in the uh, late '60s, early '70s. He moves up to Washington, starts doing an assistant professorship up at, in Washington. Okay. He starts this group that is called the Seattle Liberation Front, right? Okay. And it is this radical anti-Vietnam group that decides to stage these protests, and it's it's pretty. It, it, they do one in February of 1970 that gets pretty violent. They start like throwing bombs and rocks at the courthouse. It gets really bad. And then there're about like 2000 people there like staging this big protest and and it, so when it, that gets bad, that gets really bad really fast, right? Sure. And so about 2 months later, a grand jury decides to indict some of the members of the Seattle Liberation Front. So they are all ultimately tried for inciting a riot, and it's Michael Lerner and six other folks. The Seattle Seven. You got it. Nice. So the Seattle Seven is real. The Port Huron statement is real. Both of these things came from these anti-war groups that they've referenced in this movie. You know who's not real? Arthur Digby Sellers. Okay. There is no author of the series branded named Arthur Digby Sellers. Okay. He didn't write 156 episodes, the bulk of the series, because there were only 48 episodes in the entire series. And so all of that is fake. The guy who did write it and created the show, his last name is Cohen.
1: Oh, really? Not related.
0: He's got an H. They don't have an H. Oh, wow. Okay. But on that note, there is a Joel Cohen with an H. You know what he wrote? No. Garfield the movie. You know who voiced Garfield in that? Bill Murray. Do you know why he voiced Garfield in that being as terrible a movie as it was? Tell me. It was because he heard it was written by Joel Cohen and he thought it was the Joel Cohen of the Cohen brothers, not this other random H. Cohen guy. And so without having read the script, he went ahead and said yes.
1: That's what happens when you don't have an agent and all you've got is a phone number.
0: So, Seattle 7 is real. Arthur Digby Sellers is not real. Okay. And the Speed of Sound tour is also not real. <laughs> However, Metallica are a bunch
1: of <laughs> <holes>. <laughs> I did hear that Kirk Hammett really thought that part was funny. Yeah. And they were, like, looking for a way to incorporate it into a Metallica show.
0: Yeah. So, we've mentioned how many times the word man is used and how many the word dude is used and the fact that this is far outweighed by the uses of the f-bomb right nearly two to one yes so you know they showed this on tv right
1: (laughs) yes let me have it how is that possible
0: how is it possible that you can change the word to this is what happens when you f a a stranger in the ass"? how do you change
1: that for tv can you tell me i think you probably would just Cut the whole thing. Right. Is that what they did? No. What did they do? They said, uh, this is what happens when you find a stranger in the Alps. (laughs) (laughs) This
0: is what happens, Larry. This is what happens when you find a stranger in the Alps. This is what happens.
1: (laughs) Oh, I got to give them the A for effort on that, man.
0: Where else are you going to find this information, guys? Exactly.
1: Uh, Hey, by the way, on that note, John Goodman. The man who said that line yes, said this was the most fun he ever had making a movie. And that's The Big Lebowski. This is his favorite movie that he's ever been a part of. Yes. And he's a common thread through both of them. You've got him in both Raising Arizona and The Big Lebowski. So in just in talking about John Goodman, I was on YouTube the other day and I was just watching videos. And I found the video of John Goodman at his Hollywood Walk of Fame ceremony. And who is there? None other than Jeff Bridges. Okay. So for me, Jeff Bridges, he's Flynn in Tron, which we're getting ready to cover Tron here shortly.
0: Yeah, that'll be great.
1: He's in Against All Odds, and he's Obadiah Stane in Iron Man. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he does see this wide range of characters. He's a great actor. And he comes up there, and he's got a package. And he's got his suit and tie on, and he takes his suit, like his jacket off. He hands it to John Goodman. He reaches in the package and he pulls out the dude's sweater.
0: Oh, nice.
1: He, and he starts speaking and acting again like the dude. Fantastic. It's great. I love it. It's great.
0: So this is the first movie that Jeff Bridges had done with them, right? Uh-huh. But it's like fifth or something that John Goodman had done with them.
1: Right, right, right. So when
0: Jeff Bridges shows up to start the production, he asks John Goodman, when are we going to get the rewrites? Like how often do those come out? And John Goodman just looks at him and says, Coen Brothers... Write this, and that's the end. There are no rewrites.
1: No rewrite themselves. Nope. It's good. It is. It's really awesome.
0: Okay. So at the very end of the movie, yes. you've got the dude saying the dude abides. Yes. And the stranger Sam Elliott talking about how that can give us all comfort. I don't know about you, but I take comfort in that. It's good knowing he's out there, the dude. Taking her easy for all us sinners. This comes from a Bible verse. It's Ecclesiastes Ecclesiastes four. Yes. It says, One generation passes away and another generation comes, but the earth abides forever. Preach. Much like the earth, the dude is <laughs> eternal. <laughs>
1: you know, we talked last week about how they brought Sam Elliott in to be the narrator. Yeah. And they wanted him to be the very most Sam Elliott cowboy he could be. <sighs> right. And he's like... Guys, I don't really get this. Like, what am I doing? You know, what am I doing? They're like, look, just be Sam Elliott and read these lines. <laughs> he's like, all right. I have a couple of tidbits for you on The Big Lebowski before we move back to Raising Arizona. Okay? okay, sounds good. Yeah. So according to an early draft of the script, the way that the dude has money and doesn't have to have a job is he's an heir to the Rubik's Cube fortune. <laughs> the Rubik's Cube fortune. Sure. Are you employed, sir? employed <laughs> you don't go
0: out looking for a job dressed like that do you on a weekday is this a, what day is this okay so i always keep an eye out for license plates yes in movies okay so toward the end of the movie when we finally see that it is true bunny actually kidnapped herself yes they're going to kill that poor woman no. Yeah. So she kidnapped herself. She has all of her toes. She's driving in her car, listening to Viva Las Vegas by Elvis, right? Right. right. And as it takes off, you see her license plate, and the license plate says L-A-P-I-N, La Pin, yes. which is French for bunny.
1: Really? That's yep. good. That's good. I like it.
0: Bunny Knudsen.
1: Like Who are it. the Knudsen's? <laughs> Okay, we talked a little bit about how the dude hates the Eagles, man. Yeah. I've had a really long day, and I friggin' hate the Eagles.
0: Man, come on. I had a rough night, and
1: I hate the f***ing Eagles, man. So, Alan Klein wanted $150,000 for the use of the Rolling Stones song, Dead flowers. But he cut that fee once he saw that scene where he hates the eagles. He waved that fee.
0: <laughs> that's fantastic. How
1: cool is that?
0: Yeah, that's hilarious.
1: <laughs> okay, D, I've got some tidbits for you. Let's jump back to Raises in Arizona.
0: But the doctor explained that her insides were a rocky place
1: where my seed could find no purchase. Okay, yeah, hit me. So we talked about the number of people that really love this film. Yeah. Spike Lee is one of those guys. Okay. Right? Uh Simon Pegg is one of those guys.
0: Okay, sure. Which we
1: just talked about Simon Pegg on our Ready Player One episode. Ogden Morrow himself. Yes, absolutely. I I thought it was funny. He calls it a living, breathing Looney Tunes cartoon.
0: Yeah, well, that's what it is. By the way, the Ready Player One episode, the movie, just came out. It did. Be sure and check that out at the White Rocket Entertainment Podcast. We are with our friend Def Dave and Van Allen Plexigo, the
1: host of that podcast. That was fun. And we love the book Ready Player One. And we have opinions about the movie Ready Player One. So go check us out over there. Yeah. Okay. I thought this was funny. One day, Nick Cage and Sam McMurray, Sam McMurray's the guy who plays Glenn. Right. They went out to lunch in costume. Uh-huh. And there was a girl there who sort of recognized Nick Cage, but he looks so weird and funny and his hair's messed up and he's got a mustache and he looks like trailer trash.
0: Side note, the crazier his character got, the higher his hair got. That's right. Yeah. Keep going.
1: So she came up to him and was like, you know, hi, are you Nick Cage? Because I, you look like him and I want to get an autograph. Uh-huh. He's like, yeah, I'm Nick Cage, whatever. So he took and he signed, tomorrow you will die, Nick Cage.
0: What in the world?
1: He's he's a different cat, man. He
0: is a weird dude.
1: He is a weird dude.
0: Have you seen The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent? No. Well, it's it's interesting. It's Nick Cage plays Nick Cage in this, right?
1: Ask me if I've heard of that movie.
0: Have you heard? Okay. It just came out last year. It's got, it's got Nick Cage and Pedro Pascal. I mean, cutting edge. Oh
1: yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Okay.
0: Lots of memes going on with it right now where they've dropped acid or whatever. Yes. But he, Nick Cage is, is like kind of in this washed up stage and he keeps talking to his younger self and his younger self has the same hair that H I McDonough has in raising Arizona. Really? Yes. That's fantastic. It's really uncomfortable when they kiss. (laughs)
1: <laughs> hey i saw spoiler alert <laughs> mando and uh hi sharing a kiss no I no, s- no not mando
0: no, not mando nick
1: cage and nick cage oh my gosh <laughs> okay <laughs> i saw a video where nick cage was in las vegas this is total side note yeah nick cage was hanging out with vince neal yeah. And Vince oh, Neal was man. drunk and belligerent. I saw that. And Nick Cage, was like, dude, you got to chill out, man. <laughs> if Nick
0: Cage is telling you to <laughs> calm down, you know you've gone too That's far. Right. That is a wake up call right there, buddy. That's
1: right. <laughs> Vince Neal of Motley Crue. If you haven't listened to our Girls, Girls, Girls episode from last summer, go check that out. Okay, I've got something for you. Yeah. I got a trivia question, actually. Okay, yeah, you. I'm ready All for right. it. Go. Nicholas Cage. Yeah. And Holly Hunter. Yeah. Both have superhero connections. Okay. Can you name the superhero connections? Yes, I can. Can you?
0: Yeah, Holly Hunter is the voice for Mrs. Incredible on The Incredibles. Elastigirl. Elastigirl. Settle down. Are you kidding? I'm at the top of my game. I'm right up there with the big dogs. Girls, come on. Leave the saving of the world to the men? I don't think so. And Nick Cage is the father of one of the young kid superheroes in the movie Kick-Ass. Really? Yeah. Also, Nick Cage is Ghost Rider. Also, Nick Cage really wanted to be Superman. and the That's what I was hoping you were... There's a lot of Nick Cage comic book connections, but the only one that doesn't suck is Kick-Ass. By the way, as long as we're referencing other movies, yeah, you know the scene where... Jackie Treehorn takes a phone call and then steps out of the room and so the dude being very, you know, espionage sneaks over and yes. rubs yeah. the pencil on the pad of paper to see what he's writing and it's the dude with <laughs> a gigantic heart on. <laughs>
1: yes.
0: Okay, so I was I was watching Alfred Hitchcock's movie North by Northwest and that that it, they stole it straight Get from that. Yeah. Out of here. It is it is
1: a fact. That is fascinating. Yeah. Way to go. That's a good That's a good one.
0: Except in North by Northwest, it was not a giant penis. It wasn't?
1: <laughs> what? It wasn't. Uh, they okay. Met, they made that part up. Other movies I want to talk to you about real quick. <laughs> okay, go ahead. So, Nick Cage and William Forsyth were in a movie in the 90s, uh-huh. which was? The Rock. The Rock. Okay, yeah. Right? Gotcha. Okay. Now then, The Rock is a great action movie. That's a Shirley movie. I would love to cover that at some point. Sure. Sean Connery helps the good guys break back into Alcatraz. Right. Our buddy, Pat Canagallo of the 30-something movie podcast, sent me this video the other day. By the way,
0: guys, if you're not listening to the 30-something movie podcast, you should be. Those guys are friggin' awesome. They They are.
1: They are. They are good friends. He sent me this video that explains why The Rock is actually a James Bond movie. Not like James Bond, an actual James Bond
0: movie. Oh, so we're saying that the Sean Connery character is, in fact,
1: James, James Bond, Bond
0: in an American prison.
1: Yes. Huh. It's interesting.
0: I'm going to have to check that out.
1: Yeah, it's really good. All right. Okay. Have you ever seen the movie The Professional? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Natalie he,
0: Portman as a as a young kid and a hitman. Yes. With her. Yep. It's, a, it's yeah. a really good movie. Yes.
1: It came out, what, seven years after in Arizona? Uh, yeah, 94. bit more dramatic, but the very end of that movie... Oh, yeah. Leon kills the Gary Oldman character in basically the same way that High kills the Apocalypse guy at the end of Raising Arizona.
0: Yeah, so if you don't know what we're talking about, at the end of Raising Arizona, or close to the end of Raising Arizona, in that battle scene between High and Lenny Smalls, there's this moment where, I mean, Nick Cage is just getting his ass handed to him. Yes. And... (laughs) His, his face is all lopsided from getting beat up and he's trying to crawl into the car to get away. And Slow motion getaway. Pulled away, out yeah. and he's getting this bear hug and then there's this like moment where everything just stops and they realize they both have the Woody Woodpecker tattoo. Yes. Because it's it, that's what he is, right? It's the duality of man. It's the same guy, right? All of that. It's his evil self. It's his evil self. It is his his criminal past that he was trying to put to rest, yes, right? Yes, yes. And then he gets thrown. Lenny Smalls throws him. (laughs) And it looks like he's about to get it handed to him for the final time. And then all of a sudden raises up his hand and he shows Lenny Smalls. The grenade pin. The grenade pin. And Lenny Smalls is decorated with grenades all over him. And he's got this. You have this one moment. The only moment where Lenny Smalls shows fear And he panics, drops his guns awkwardly, tries to get it, but it's too late. And it is one of the best explosions I've ever seen. It's amazing. I mean, you got the boot with the leg still in it, falling to the ground on fire. (laughs) It's freaking awesome. And the same thing happens in professional right that's yeah. right oh spoiler alert sorry guys if you haven't you didn't know that movie was coming up it's a fantastic movie as well guys the, the movie's 29 years old i'm sorry i spoil it for <laughs> <all> right? you. <laughs> right but yeah so same thing except that he hands the grenade pin to gary oldman's character who's the bad guy after gary oldman has just shot him in the back of that head basically yeah and says it's from matilda matilda and I think the explosion was even bigger in for the profession. It blew out that building. <laughs> that was awesome.
1: Hey, you know, you mentioned something I was going to talk about. I told you when we first watched Raising Arizona, there's a couple of guys after football practice one night, and we swung by the video store and we grabbed a pizza or whatever, and yeah. one of the movies we watched was Raising Arizona. Right. One of the funniest scenes to us, or not even a scene, just a small little part, was when the apocalypse guy, Lenny Smalls, is driving by and there's like a gecko sunning on a rock, and he takes out his shotgun and just blasts it off that rock for no reason. We laughed our butts off, and we kept rewinding and watching that scene. It's just really funny. How do they do that?
0: Like, how? <laughs>
1: <laughs> no animals were hurt during the production. <sighs> okay, D, uh, have you ever heard of Herb Drinkwater? Is
0: this a character in a James Bond movie? No, no, it's not, actually. <laughs> Wasn't that like Mr. Bean's character in. Uh- Never Say Never that Again.
1: That was uh, Nigel Small Johnson or something like that.
0: <laughs> small Tap or Small Faucet. Small Faucet, that's yeah, right. That's it. That's it. It's not that guy.
1: And Never Say Never Again. Yeah. That's pretty good recall right there. Thanks, man. For both of us, yeah. actually. Okay, so <laughs> Herb Drinkwater yeah. was the mayor of Scottsdale at the time they filmed Raised in Arizona.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. Right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So good old Herb, you know, mm-hmm. here's what he says about the movie Raised in Arizona. Yeah. That film has no redeeming social value, and it certainly isn't the image that Arizona wants to project. What? I mean, they're going to only let the
0: kid watch educational television (laughs) and sports involving, obviously, the
1: University of Arizona. Come on. Lighten up, Francis. (laughs) Jeez.
0: That's fantastic.
1: Okay. One more person I want to bring up before we leave raising Arizona. Yep. is Trey Wilson. What did the pajamas look like? I don't know. They were jammies they had yodas and shit on them okay oh yeah 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 trey wilson plays nathan arizona
0: sir it says here that your real name is nathan (laughs) huffines yeah what of it is there a reason you changed it yeah would you buy furniture from a place called unpainted (laughs) (laughs) huffines
1: this is the same guy who played the manager in bull durham right lollygaggers lollygaggers he died like uh just shortly after bull durham came out
0: Yeah, so they were actually writing a part for him for Miller's Crossing. Okay. The leader of the bad guys, the bad guy gang in Miller's Crossing was supposed to be Trey Wilson that was playing that part. It was a surprise death. He was a young guy, like early fifties, I think. Very young. Very young guy. So suddenly they're without the guy that they had written the part for. And so they said, Hey, let's see if Albert Finney will do it. I don't know why Albert Finney does not remind me of Trey Wilson in any way, shape or form. No, he doesn't, yeah. But he's got one of the most memorable parts in the movie. I mean, he's there's, there's this attack scene. It's super awesome awesome he dresses in drag which you know <laughs> they said you know he's british so they're halfway there anyway right <laughs> anyway sorry for our british listeners that's just a joke those i was quoting the Cohen brothers on that one <laughs> but anyway yeah like albert finney last minute is available and walks in and is off book i mean he is a pro and nails the part wow he's one of the best parts of the movie
1: okay yeah. I, you know i haven't seen that so i'd like to watch that
0: yeah so Good homage to Trey Wilson, I guess. Okay, one final thing. We mentioned, obviously, they've got all these actors that are in their so many of their movies. Yeah. They've got the crew that they go to. And in their beginning movies, they almost always had the same editor. And that guy's name was Roderick James. But the only movies that he's ever edited are Coen Brothers movies. Okay. You know why? No. Because it's actually the Coen Brothers. Is a fake name what? that they gave. I guess the, what they saw, you know, you've got them both writing, you've got them both producing, you've got them both directing, and you just see Cohen after Cohen after Cohen. And so finally they are like, you know what, I don't want to see our name again. Let's make up a
1: name and we'll make that guy. <laughs> That's pretty good. Roderick Janes. There you go. One more thing on that. Yes. Just, just touching on that as well. Yeah. The uh, the news camera guys who are interviewing Nathan Huffheinz yes, right on their microphone it says K O I N like radio station K O I N or TV station K O I N. Uh huh. You know why it says K O I N? No. Cohen. Oh, how about that? That's great. Kind of a neat little nod right there. That is good. I like it. Okay. Before we do final judgment, I've yeah. got a, some interesting things I think that happened at the box office in 1987. Yes, and in 1998. I just want to drop these on you real quick. Okay. okay. Yeah. All right. So before we do that, yeah, <laughs> this is a stick up. Everybody freeze. Everybody on the ground.
0: Well, which is it, young feller? You want I should freeze or get down on the ground? <laughs> mean to say, if and I freeze, I can't rightly drop, and if and I drop, I'm gonna be in motion. You see.
1: Uh, that part cracks me up, man. We're the bank
0: tellers! <laughs> We're the tellers! We're down
1: here, sir! <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, so just some interesting things going on in 1987, okay? okay? yeah. So the top movies of 1987 are littered with Shirley movies, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Movies that either we've covered or we want to cover, okay? Right. So just at the top, Beverly Hills Cop 2, Platoon, Fatal Attraction, Untouchables, Three Minute A Baby, Secret of My Success, Stakeout, Lethal Weapon. Okay? Wow. Number 10 for the year is Predator. Number 14 is RoboCop. Number 16 is Dirty Dancing. Okay? Number 48 is Ernest Goes to Camp. That finished ahead of Raising Arizona for final box office numbers. Shut up. Number 49 is Raising Arizona. (sighs) Wow. Number 51, Jaws the Revenge. (laughs) What? And bringing up the rear, number 73, Superman four, The Quest for Peace. You're telling me that this ranked only two places higher
0: barely than Jaws the Revenge. <laughs> barely. What is then. wrong with it? It's, uh, they're, they're, they're just too far ahead of their time.
1: It's, it's pretty crazy, man.
0: Wake up, son.
1: Okay, same thing kind of happened in 98. Okay? Uh-huh. So, interesting that the Coen brothers were originally slotted to release The Big Lebowski Christmas of 97. Okay? Yeah. And we've talked before that June of 1981 is one of the greatest months for movies in the 80s. Yeah. December of 1997 is pretty freaking stout. So just listen to what was going on. Okay. Around Christmas, December of 1997. Okay. Goodwill Hunting, Amistad, Scream 2, Tomorrow Never Dies, okay, a James Bond movie. You've got Jackie Brown, The Postman, which Kevin Costner was a big thing, American Werewolf in Paris, and oh, by the way, Titanic was released that month. So. The Cohen brothers said, forget that. We're not competing with all those guys. We'll get washed away. They moved it to March of 98. Gotcha. The biggest thing they had to compete with at that time was the man in the iron mask. I mean, so a little bit a little bit wiser. But still, the Big Lebowski finished 98th at the box office oh my for
0: word. 1998.
1: What? It was still buried. I mean, you're talking Titanic, Armageddon, Saving Private Ryan, something about Mary, the water boy. The Truman show. Greece, the re-release of Greece finished at 66. <laughs> way ahead of the Big Lebowski. Wow. So wow. Half Baked finished one notch ahead of the Big Lebowski. It's
0: huh. kind of crazy. Half Baked is another cult classic.
1: Yeah. That's
0: but nothing. Nothing compared to the dude.
1: I know, right? Some interesting things happening at the box office. Okay. Are we ready for final judgment?
0: I yes. Yeah. I, I, I knew that I had a preference when we started this process. Yeah. I hesitated through watching the two movies, but I know where I stand.
1: Okay. Okay. You want to go first? Sure. Okay. Go ahead.
0: It is without question, 100% The Big Lebowski for me. Okay. Every day, all day, and twice on Sunday. Okay. I love Raising Arizona. I love it to death. I think it's great. It's quirky. I like how the Coen brothers and Nick Cage work together, even though they didn't like working together themselves. It is one of those classics that I will go back to again and again. I don't remember if I mentioned this in, in these episodes, but Raising Arizona was the first movie my wife and I watched together on our very first date. Really? Yes. So it's it's got a special meaning to me. Yeah. You know what the second movie that we watched together was? You got it right. my Wow. Yes. So we watched Raising Arizona. She had seen it before. I'd seen it before, but we both loved it. So why not? We, you know, I brought over a DVD. No, this was before DVDs. I brought over a VHS and a bottle of wine Uh and we laid on the floor and enjoyed Raising Arizona and were behaved well and all of that good stuff. And I thought, man, if she loves the Coen brothers, I'm going to wow her with The Big Lebowski because she hasn't seen it. And I bring it over, and I had forgotten how many F-bombs there <laughs> are in this movie. And whenever we got done, I was like, oh, she's about to ream me out. And she was like, that was awesome. And she's right. And it worked. It was. It was. She yeah, married I you. mean, I, that, that was, well, a long time ago, 22 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So The Big Lebowski is what I might call a perfect movie. It has a plot that's complicated but actually comes together and makes sense. It's got characters that are so memorable and so perfect. The coloring is perfect. The cinematography is perfect. The song choices are perfect. There is literally nothing wrong with this movie, and it is by two of the guys that I regard in the top notches of all writers and directors in Hollywood, The Big Lebowski is my final choice. Okay. Yeah. That's
1: fantastic. Okay. Okay. I'm
0: waiting to see.
1: Okay. Before I give my final judgment. Yeah. One of the things I want to mention to you that I forgot to mention. I love Jeff Bridges as the dude. I love how he reacts to crisis. Okay. Yeah. Or to bluntness. Right. Right. He's just trying to get his rug back. (laughs) He doesn't really care about your feelings. He's just trying to get back to his apartment and get back to life as it should be, right? Right. So when he meets Maude, this was the one that, that <laughs> every time I see it, it just cracks me up. She's like, she's talking to him about all these weird things like vagina. Oh yeah? Yes, they don't like hearing it and find it difficult to say, whereas without batting an eye, a man will refer to his dick or his rod or his Johnson? Johnson? Johnson. Right, like what are we talking about here, right? <laughs> so every he just gets this very peaceful look on his face, like what are you talking about, coitus? <laughs> <laughs> and when Jesus comes over and rips at them a new one, you yeah, know yeah. I'm gonna get you guys on Wednesday, and he's like Jesus, that's, that's right, that's nice. right, yeah. So I just love his reactions. Okay, so it's
0: just like your opinion, man. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love his just take on life. So, with that said, my final judgment is Raising Arizona all day, every day, and twice on Sunday. It's not even close in my book, okay? Oh, my gosh. So, for me, Raising Arizona is funny, just outright funny. And I'm a, I'm a Looney Tunes, I'm a slapstick kind of guy. To me, that plot is clearer. It's easier to understand. It's simpler.
0: Yeah.
1: It's a fun ride I'm on board from the get go. I love raising Arizona. I have since fallen in love with the Big Lebowski, and it's funny, but it is convoluted. It's a little bit tougher to understand. I had to call you, and I'm like, so am I understanding this right? So, for me, it's all day, every day, raising Arizona. Yeah, I understand. I understand.
0: I love the movie. I'm not going to fault you but, for but it. But I like.
1: I, I enjoyed yeah. both of them in this this uh, episode.
0: Well, there you go, Shirley fans. You have our take on it. Once again, we are on opposite sides of the matchup. But tell us what you think. You can find us on Facebook at Shirley Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Shirley Podcast. You can email us at ShirleyPodcast at gmail.com. Those are some of our best comments. I mean, we got one that we read last episode from Beth Sloan, which is absolutely fantastic. We've had Chad Briggs write to us about... Tron and War Games. And it looks like he might co-host with us when we do that episode. And that's going to be fantastic. Def Dave is the one that emailed us and ended up has become one of our best friends. So please email us or contact us through Twitter and Facebook. We would love to hear how you feel. Tell us, what do you pick? You pick Raising Arizona? Do you pick The Big Lebowski? Do you pick Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Tell us what your thoughts are. We would love to hear it.
1: Okay, listen to what we got coming up, D. I'm so excited about our future schedule. Okay, next week, we got together with the guys from A Film Buy, uh-huh. the Thirty Something Podcast, yeah. White Rocket Entertainment, yep. and Def Dave, and we did a Bond Girls draft. This is a best of the James Bond Girls discussion. <laughs> You you did rate my bondgirl.com. It was. It's going to be. I'm telling you, it is so
0: good. I do not know how this cannot be a sexist pig
1: fest. Well, you'll just have to come and listen. Are the girls going to enjoy this episode as well as. I this... think so. Okay. I think so. We All were right. gentlemen as we discussed. Okay. Well, good. The features.
0: Good. I'm, I'm excited because I listen to our episode every week and. Usually I'm surprised. I'm like, did I say that? <laughs> this one, I'm going to be completely surprised because it wasn't even there. So I'm I excited it. turned to hear out it. really well. Yeah. yeah I'm so excited. that
1: one's already done and in the books. After that, you and I are going to sit down and we're going to discuss two of the biggest movies of 1988, Turning 35, Tom Hanks, Big, and Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito in Twins. We're going to compare those two, get into it on that. And then after that, we will be discussing Open Up and Say Ah by Poison, going track by track with our good friend and Patreon, Dale Selby, and compare that to Living Color Vivid with James Buckley. Smoking Hot Albums. Those are, and the interesting thing is those two albums were released on the same day
0: in 1988. Guys, we need your help in making these episodes. So if you want to be an executive producer on one of the episodes that Jason just mentioned, all you have to do is go to our Patreon page and sign up. It can be as little as five bucks a month and it's not as though you don't get something in return. We give you access to our secret episodes that we have once a month and we usually hit one hit wonders, but we've we've hit some big hitters as well. But these are some special episodes that we do only for our Patreon members, and they're some of our best. So, go to patreon.com backslash Shirley Podcast and become a Patreon supporter, and you can be an executive producer of one of the episodes we just
1: discussed. That's right. Those are the stories behind the song. And last month, we did...
0: Uh Aha, Take On Me.
1: This month, we're doing...
0: Soft Cell Tainted Love.
1: And next month, we're doing...
0: I don't know yet you because don't know yet. I'm waiting to find out.
1: I know, I know. I can't wait to drop that one on you. Oh, I'm it's excited. my pick this year this yeah. month. Yeah.
0: Guys, that's it. Thank you so much for joining us. We can't do it without you. Please tell your friends. If you can't afford to sign up on Patreon, feel free to help us out by giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or whatever your podcast listening platform is. And if you're so inclined, leave us a review. If if we pick your review, we might send you something super special like an engraved Tumblr cup with your name on it and the Shirley logo. That'd be cool. Yeah. Hey, check us out on YouTube. We got some stuff on YouTube. Yeah.
1: Some pretty cool stuff.
0: Absolutely. Guys, it's been great. We will talk to you next week. Bye, guys.